Today's scripture reading is found in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. I will be reading from the NIV. Hear the word of the Lord. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, Trinity Church. I pray you guys are doing well. My family just got back from a vacation, and we missed y'all. At some point during the vacation, my son kind of looked up like he, he had just remembered something. He says, uh-oh, we missed church. And we did. So we missed church a whole lot, but it is so good to be back with y'all and preaching and being able to be with you. Um, I will say this, if you notice a little nerves with me this morning, it's because one of my old childhood friends is here with me this morning, and it's really, really difficult to preach when there's someone in the room that knows every dumb thing you have ever done. Um, So, um, yes, um, thank you for being here, my friend. You know, friends are a blessing from the Lord, aren't they? Um, and he has been one of my best ones, so I appreciate you, Wes. Um, this week, this, our text for today is different than the one that we originally planned um, to have preached this week, and it was changed weeks and weeks and weeks ago. Um, I just felt like it maybe had fit our message this morning a little bit better than the, the other text that had been chosen. And This week, through some of the conversations that I've had with um, some of the people in our church, I can see now why. We've had some hard things happen in our church this week, and some of our people are going through some tough things. Um, A lot of heavy prayer requests, and um, I believe that the Lord is good at uh, organizing His church and directing His church, and uh, I thank God for His leadership and how he leads and guides um, his church. And so this morning, I pray, that, I pray that this is a blessing to you, and I pray that you know um, that the Lord, our Savior and King, is not indifferent towards your suffering. He's not indifferent towards the things that we go through in this world. But we as a church, we've been going through a series called The Upside Down Kingdom, And we've been looking at all the different sayings that Jesus has about his kingdom. And much of what Jesus said was not only countercultural for the people of his day, but they may seem upside down and backwards to us too. And the way Jesus describes how his kingdom works may sound strange to us. And today we're going to be looking at a passage where King Jesus describes his own heart. He describes what's in there. And in our passage today, we're going to take a look at how Jesus describes himself. And I think what we're going to see in this is this stark contrast between the many kings this world has seen throughout all of history and Jesus, the King of kings. And church, isn't it true that our world has had its fair share of crazy leaders 
Maybe we've got some today. And this world has seen very influential kings and rulers come to power that were known for just being evil tyrants. Names like Genghis Khan and Joseph Stalin and Vlad the Impaler. You're going to like some of these words, some of these titles they've been given. King Leopold II, Adolf Hitler, Bloody Mary, Ivan the Terrible, Pol Pot. Some of these names you recognize, and you probably recognize them because of their brutality and how vicious they are. And this is certainly not an exhaustive list of all these ruthless rulers that our world has seen, but when our world thinks of a conquering king, we think of a ruthless monarch who uses cruelty and threats and torture and murder and war all to get their way. And while many of these men were successful for a time, their reign eventually came to an end. And while some of these rulers controlled huge portions of the earth, even their territories had borders. I'm not sure if any of you have seen this this week, uh, but I have been fascinated with some of the images that have come out from NASA this week. I don't, has anybody seen the James Webb stuff come out? Um, you know, I have to admit that I'm not usually all that interested in the space stuff. I know it's beautiful, it's amazing, but these pictures have just captured me this week. Last year, on December 21st, they launched this James Webb telescope. And this telescope, it allows us to look further and more clearly into space than we've ever been able to see before. And I want to show you some of the images this morning. So this one right here is called the Cosmic Cliffs on the Carina Nebula. And it's estimated to be some, some 7,600 light years away. It's gorgeous, isn't it? This next one is called Stefan's Quintet. And it contains five galaxies that are estimated to be 260 million light years away. So there's five galaxies in this one picture. And this next one is called the Southern Ring Nebula. And this is actually two different pictures of the same image. The one on the right is an infrared shot. And this is estimated at being at some 2,000 light years away from us. And this last picture that I'm going to show you is Webb's first what's called deep field picture. And it's really just looking out as far as you possibly can just to see what, what is out there. And these red clusters, you might be able to see them. There's red clusters that kind of look like they're going in a circle. Those red clusters are estimated at being 4.24 billion light years away. That's what it's estimated. Now, I don't know about you. You, you may already know this, but I had to look this up. Uh, let's put this in perspective because I didn't know what one light year was. One light year is calculated at being close or around six trillion miles. Six trillion miles. And these red clusters that you see here are 4.24 billion light years away from us. 
And this is about as far as we can see into space with our technology. And churches, I was looking at these images this week. I was blown away. But you know what captured me the most about these images this week? And I pray that it captures you this morning too. I know the man. I know the king. I have a personal relationship with the king who is king over all of this. And further, this king is king over all. His kingdom has no borders and his reign will never come to an end. King Jesus is is unlike any other ruler this world has ever seen. And I pray this morning you hear his voice. I pray that you know the king of this. I pray this morning that we all come to a place of full surrender to this king. The king of kings and the Lord of lords, he is no tyrant. He's not brutal or vicious. The king of this universe, he beckons you and me to come to him this morning. So let's stop and let's pray for the text and we'll jump straight into the Bible. Father, I pray this morning that your word is clear and I pray that we are able to have a glimpse into your heart for us, that you have compassion on us, that you know us, that you, again, are not indifferent towards us and the struggles that we have, but Father, you are a God that wants to be involved. You are a God that wants to have relationship with us. What an amazing, an amazing thought that is. So, Father, be with us this morning as we look into your word. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Trinity, these are the words of your King. What an amazing passage this is for us to hear of how our King feels about us. And church, do you hear the heart of your God and King through this? And the first word that we hear in this passage is come. What a comforting word it is for us to hear from Christ. He just tells us, come. I remember when I was a child and I would play outside of my grandmother's house. She lived in Marietta and she had this beautiful piece of land and she had this really large flat driveway and all the kids from all around the place would come and they would play in this driveway. Well, From time to time, you know how kids are, they skin their knees or they get stung by a bee or ants or whatever would get on you. And my grandmother, when she would see my pain, she would just softly look at me and she would say, come here, come to me. Well, you know what I did? I went over there to her and I went right over there to her because I recognized that she could help ease my pain. 
And the call of Christ for us to come to him is much like this call, but it is also much different than that. We must hear this call to come to Christ as a command. And here the king is throwing out a command for us to come to him. But if we look further in verse 28, who exactly is Christ commanding to come to him? And the English Standard Version says this, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But maybe your version, a lot of other versions say it like this, come to me all who are weary and heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. But the idea, the overarching idea here is labor, hard labor, heavy laden, weary, being heavily burdened. So who is Jesus talking to here? Who is it that fits the description of Jesus? Well, church, let me ask you. Have you ever felt overworked? Just just tired? Have you ever been crushed by a weight? Have you ever felt like you you just couldn't go on any further? Have you ever felt burdened to your core about something or someone Have you ever felt the weariness of the day or just the weariness of this world? Has your soul ever been troubled about something? Have you ever just felt like you just couldn't make it on your own anymore? And I imagine that you have, and I imagine that each and every single one of us have been at this point at some point in our lives. And church, I imagine that there are some of us in here today that fit this description. There's some of us in here carrying heavy burdens, heavy burdens of the world. And in John 16, 33, Jesus makes a statement that has been proven over and over and over and over again in our lives. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. And we know that to be true. We have all experienced that as a truth in our life. And there are countless ways to be burdened in this troubled world. Maybe a troubling medical diagnosis. It just seems impossible to face. Maybe the loss of a loved one that just still seems too hard to bear. Maybe your marriage is not as healthy as you want it to be. And the struggle, you've just found yourself in the struggle And the weariness of every single day, wanting it to be better. Maybe your burden is a child who has lost their way and has wandered away from the will of God. And maybe it's just the constant disappointments of this world and our government. They've just left you bitter and a feeling of without hope. Just this past week, my friend Wes and I had a friend that lost his wife to cancer, and left two young children behind. Church, this world will chew us up. It will spit us out. And Jesus told us about this. He told us up front. It will leave us broken and tired. It will leave us weary and burdened. But praise God, John 16.33 does not end within this world. You will have trouble. He says, but take heart. 
because I have overcome this world. And church, please hear this this morning. There are countless ways for us to be burdened in this world, there, but there is only one way for us to find true and genuine rest. It can only be found in the Savior, Jesus Christ, the King. And the people Jesus was talking to in his day, they had all felt these worldly burdens that we just talked about. But it's also important to note that these Jews had been burdened by the current demands placed upon them by religious leaders. And in Matthew 23, verses 1 through 4, we kind of get a glimpse, a greater image of what Jesus is talking about. So listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 23. He says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, the law seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you to do, but do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach, and they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. You see, Judaism of the day with Jesus back in that time, it was very much like every other world religion. It was this one huge list of all the things a person must do to work their way into the good graces of God. Church, Christianity is the only religion on the face of the earth where God came down to mankind and He meets all of the requirements He places on His people. Only Christianity has a Savior that takes our place and fulfills all the requirements there are for us to be reconciled to this God. Every other religion has the goal of mankind working their way to God. Church, Jesus, Jesus is what differentiates Christianity from every other religion. And the Jewish culture of Jesus' day had created an exhaustive list of all the commands that the Jews needed to follow in order to be accepted by God. And the scribes and the Pharisees had hundreds of rules and laws that each Jew needed to follow in, just in order to be in good standing with God. And the religious leaders had placed enormous burdens on the people. And the obligations placed on the shoulders of these people were heavy. And all these expectations, the Jews that Jesus was talking to, they were just tired. They were weary. Could you imagine the impact of Jesus and his words when he looks out on them and he says, come to me and find rest? Now, you may be asking yourself, how could coming to Christ relieve anyone's burdens? How could coming to Christ relieve these people's burdens? How could Jesus provide these Jews with the needed rest they so longed for? Church, please listen, because this is where it gets really good in the Bible. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law for us on our behalf. Jesus fulfills the requirements of the law for you and for me. And when these Jews heard this, there was immediate rest. 
Listen to these verses. Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Romans 10, 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness, listen, to everyone who believes. Later on in that chapter, in Romans 10, 13, this is why Paul could say, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I love how Paul says this in Acts 13. And we just got done with our Acts uh, series not too long ago. But listen to this in Acts 13, 38-39. Let it be known to you. He says, this is important. You need to know this, brothers. Let it be known to you that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything. What? from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. It is Jesus that frees us, not the law. Jesus completes and fulfills the law on our behalf. And that's our only hope. Listen to this again. By Him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. In church, maybe you come from a religious background that's just piled heavy, legalistic commands on your back. And maybe in your past there were some well-intentioned religious demands, religious leaders that piled all these demands on you. And then maybe the message of the church that you've heard is, well, don't do that, and you better do this. And it's just this huge list, written and unwritten, of what you've got to do. And you work, and you work, and you work. And you labor, and you labor, and you labor. And yet at some point, you just get to this place where you are just so weary, and you wonder, have I just done enough? Have I been obedient enough? You wonder if you've checked enough religious boxes for God just to smile in your direction. Dear Christian, listen to Jesus this morning. Take your rest in Him. Every box you will ever need checked has been checked by Jesus on your behalf. And through His perfect life and everything that He has done for you, you can have rest. He's done it all. And you and I can rest knowing that Jesus fulfilled the requirements of the law on our behalf. Church, what an amazing king we have. Throughout my life, I've heard and used the phrase, coming to Christ. I bet that many of us use that phrase too. But what exactly does it mean to come to Christ? I love what A.W. Pink says on this. So listen to this. It says, saving faith is a genuine coming to Christ. Let us take care that we do not miss the clear and inevitable implications of this term. If I say, I come to the USA, then I necessarily indicate that I have left some other country to get here. Thus, it is in coming to Christ, something has to be left. Coming to Christ not only involves the abandoning of every false object of confidence, Listen, it also includes and entails the forsaking of all other competitors for my heart. 
Uh, our own way must be forsaken before we can truly come to Christ. That course of self-will must be abandoned. Listen to this last sentence. The prodigal son could not come to his father while he remained in the far country. And church, when you and I, when we come to Christ, we exchange our pursuit of living according to our own desires with the pursuit of living according to His desires. Let's look at the rest of our text. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, in these passages, in these verses, you may be seeing something that looks something like a contradiction. Jesus, on one hand, is telling us to come to him for rest, and on the next hand, he's telling us to place a yoke around our necks. And a yoke was this wooden cross piece that was placed between the necks of two animals so that they could work together and combine their strength. And when you saw animals yoked together, you knew that there was about to be hard work done. And the animals, they would be connected in a way that where one goes, the other goes. They became inseparable. When the animals get paired together, the farmer would always pair a stronger animal with a little bit of a weaker one. And there would always be a lead animal. There would always be one that was more experienced and more obedient the yoke was a very important idea and metaphor for the Jewish culture. And when rabbis, they would get a new student, it was often said of this student that he was yoking himself to his teacher. And I believe this is why Jesus immediately says in this passage, learn from me. Take my yoke and learn from me. The rest Jesus is calling us to is not rest to come and be idle or inactive, or lazy. The rest Jesus is calling us to will involve work and discipline. And Jesus is saying that we need to learn from Him. We need to allow Him to direct us. We need, him, we need to be His disciple. We need to do our best to be inseparable from Him. Jesus is telling us here that discipleship takes effort. And coming to Christ is just the beginning. And the yoke of Christ should never leave our necks this side of heaven. Do you see yourself this morning connected to Christ in this way? Does He take the lead in your relationship? Are you learning from Him the way that He calls you to learn from Him? Is Christ your teacher? Are you yoked? Trinity, are you yoked to Christ this morning? But like the old song says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. With all the many competitors, like A.W. Pink says, for our heart, there are so many competitors for our heart, it's easy for us to drift, right? It's easy for us to fade. There's so many things that will lure us away from the best things that Christ has to offer. In the book of Numbers, chapter 25, we read of many of the men in Israel and how they strayed away from God. And they began to have relationships with Moabite women. And this, it says that one bad decision led to the next. And the Bible says that these women invited them to come to the sacrifices of their gods. 
Well, guess what? They went. And these men began spending their time with people that encouraged them to do things that they knew the one true God, the God of Israel, would not approve of. And over time, the ball of bad decisions just kept rolling, kept rolling downhill into eventually where these men are found worshiping gods that didn't exist. These men, following after their own lusts, gave in to one thing after the next, after the next, after the next, until we read this verse in chapter 25. It says, So Israel yoked themselves to Baal of Peor, and the Lord's anger burned against them. Church, let this serve as a warning to us. I say this to young people all the time. We, we never really know where one bad decision is going to lead us. We never really know how far it's going to take us. And backsliding away from the yoke of Christ, it's usually a slow fade. And every one of us in here, we're yoked to something. And some of us have multiple yokes that we've placed around our necks. But Jesus, here in our passage, He's telling us to throw them all down and be yoked to Him alone. And church, we cannot miss this point Jesus is making here. Please, please hear me out on this. When Jesus tells you to wear and put on His yoke, guys, this is His way of gently telling you you are not going to make it on your own. You are not going to be able to do this alone. He says, let me help you. Let me guide you. Let me be your strength. Let me sustain you. Church, please hear this. Yes, Jesus offers rest but it is only to those who recognize their need for it. It's for the weary. It's for the burdened. It's for those who have come to an end of themselves and, and they realize they can't make it on their own. I heard a story of a missionary in Africa and he was attempting to translate the book of John. And there was a word in the book of John that just kept stumping him. And so every time he would get to this word, he would just leave it blank. And the word was believe. He didn't know how to translate the word believe into the dialect of the people. Well, one day this messenger came running into town. He had a message, very important, to give the officials. So he comes running into town from a really long distance. And in his exhaustion, he just blurts out the phrase. And then he collapses into a hammock right next to him. And immediately upon laying down into this hammock, he gives this little smile of rest and he mutters this little phrase. And the missionary that was standing there, he, he didn't recognize the phrase and he asked one of the other men that was there, he says, hey, what, did, what exactly did this messenger say? What did, what did he say when he laid down on the hammock? The man thought for a second and he tried to put it in his, in, in, into English for him. And he said, well, he said something like this. I have come to an end of myself. Therefore, I'm resting all of my weight right here. 
And the missionary, when he heard this, he, he lit up with excitement because he knew at that point that was the phrase. That was what he needed to use to explain what it is to believe in the book of John. And believing in Jesus is saying, for any of us that say we believe in Jesus, it is saying, I have come to an end of myself. Therefore, I am resting all of my weight right here on him. The Scottish pastor, Samuel Rutherford, he said, there are many heads resting on Christ's bosom, but there's room for yours there too. Church, today Jesus offers you his yoke because he knows that you and I cannot make it on our own, whether in this life or in the one to come. We can't do it alone. So what makes all of this upside down? We've been going through the upside down kingdom. What makes all of this upside down? It's because this king is gentle and lowly in heart. While many kings of this world, they conquer their enemies with the sword, Christ is gentle and lowly towards you and towards me. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Romans 2, 4 that tells us that it is the goodness and the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It leads us to change who we are because God is so good and He is so kind to us. That's how He conquers us. And in our text today, it's the only place in the entire Bible where Jesus describes His heart for us. I want you to consider what Dane Ortland, an author, said about this. He says about our passage today, he says, In the one place in the Bible where the Son of God pulls back the veil and lets us peer way down deep into the core of who He is, we're not told that He is austere and demanding in heart. We're not told that He is exalted and dignified in heart. We're not even told that He is joyful and generous in heart. Letting Jesus set the terms, his surprising claim is that he is gentle and lowly in heart. Church, our lowly king with a gentle and lowly heart is calling lowly followers like us into his glorious upside-down kingdom so that we can rest in him. Church, every single one of us needs to come to this king today. Maybe there's a few of us in here that need to come to this King today for the first time and trust Him alone for the forgiveness of your sins. And if you're that person, I'd love to talk with you after the service and explain the Gospel in a more deep, more understood way. Let today, don't let today pass you by. Maybe there are a few of us in here that we've just drifted Trinity, may you hear the Savior calling you back to Him this morning. And this statement is also true that we have just either just got out of a storm or in the middle of a storm or that we're about to feel the winds blow. Storms are all around us. Maybe some of you are weathering a storm right now in your life and this King is calling you, come and take your rest in Me. Take your burden to the Lord. Exchange the yoke of this world for His yoke. For His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Many of you know that, by now you know, that I love old songs. 
I love hymns. I talk about them often when I'm up here with you guys. And while I was doing my study this week, there was this old song that just kept coming back to me over and over again. And um, it's called Leave It There. Some of you may have heard of it. One of the first singers that ever made this song famous was a man named Blind Willie Johnson. Here's Blind Willie. Blind Willie was really blind. His stepmother threw lie in his eyes when he was very young, and he lost his vision. And then he was one of the first ones that made this song popular. The next person, or the first person I ever heard sing this song, was a man named Bradley Walker. And I heard this from, some of you are going to make fun of me, but a Gaither Homecoming concert. Um, I know some of you have been there. But I, I heard this song sang by Bradley Walker. Here's this man just belting out this song, sitting in a wheelchair. He's sitting in a wheelchair because he was born with muscular dystrophy and had spent his entire life in that wheelchair. More recently, there was a country bluegrass couple that you probably know, Joey and Rory. Rory's wife was diagnosed with cancer in 2014. She lost her battle to it in 2016. When her life was coming to an end, Joey had talked with her husband, Rory, and she had a few requests. One of the requests that she had was that this song, and by the way, they did record this song, and it's on one of their albums, but one of her requests from Rory was that this song was saying her graveside. More specifically, she asked that Bradley Walker was the one that sang it. I want you to think of these singers. You have Willie Johnson's blindness and Bradley Walker's muscular dystrophy and Joey Feek's cancer battle and her eventual passing. Leave It There was not just a song for them. It was a daily reminder that they needed the gentle and lowly rest of their king every single day. And church, I believe that we need His rest as well. His perfect rest every single day. I want, you to, I want to leave you this morning the words of this song. Leave it there, leave it there. Just take your burden to the Lord, oh, and leave it there. If you trust Him through your doubt, He will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If the world from you withholds of its silver and its gold, and you have to get along with meager fare, just remember in His Word how He feeds the little bird. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Now if your body suffers pain and your health you can't regain, and your soul is slowly sinking in despair. Listen to this, church. Jesus knows the pain you feel. He can save and He can heal. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Church, leave it there. Leave it there. Just take your burden to the Lord, church. Leave it there with Him. If we trust Him through our doubt, He will surely bring us out. Take our burden to the Lord. Let's leave it right there. Let's pray.
Holy Father, we thank You for Your Word that comforts us. We thank You for Your Word that is that speaks to us at times when we need it, Lord. Father, we thank You that You have spoken to us. We thank You that You have communicated to us. We thank You that You are involved in us and in our lives and in our families and our marriages through Your Word. May we this morning run to You for rest. May we take our burdens to You and lay them down. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.